Welcome to the Teach Me Lit podcast. I'm Sophie Tuvey and I love talking about books and helping you to revise for English literature and go deeper in the texts you're studying. Elizabeth Gaskell's North and South. Some notes on chapter one. Haste to the Wedding is the title of this chapter and it's really all about Edith. So Edith is Margaret's cousin and she's a wealthy heiress. Um, Her father has died leaving her mother uh, a widow with all of the money and uh, she's chosen for her choice Captain Lennox um, and they are about to get married and move to Corfu. Now this affects our protagonist Margaret Hale in that Margaret has been living um, with Edith and her mother in London, which is obviously the centre of fashion and society, um, for the last 10 years. Um, Margaret's um, own parents live in Helston, which is uh, in the south, in the New Forest. And it's a quiet, sleepy uh, village, and her father's a Church of England vicar. Now, the way that it works in the Church of England, and this is still true today, is that when you are a vicar, your accommodation is provided for you. So you live in a a manse or a parsonage, um, which is owned by the church, and you know you have your parish, your area, where around the church, and your duty is to obviously run all of the church services um, on Sundays, but also weddings and funerals and things like that, and to visit your parishioners and look after them within the vicinity. Now, um, the living given to a vicar in a very small southern rural town was very small and so this is why Margaret's parents decided to send her to London to live with her aunt because then she could um, benefit from having the education that uh, her aunt was already going to be paying for for her own daughter Edith. So Edith and Margaret have grown up together for the last 10 years and they've had their education together and they've been introduced to society together in London. However, there's one big difference. Whereas Edith is a wealthy heiress and is about to get married, um, Margaret's going to go back to Helston to this kind of sleepy, rural way of life um, that she loves, that she's really looking forward to. Um, Margaret's not interested in getting married. She's not interested in um, getting money. Um, But she's about to, her life is about to change quite radically. Now, what I think is worth um, sifting out of this chapter, because there's obviously there's a lot of dialogue here, there's a lot of situations here that are being explained. Some of the background of how long Margaret's been in London is explained to us as well. But there are a few important conversations that I just want to pull out a few observations from. Um, the first is actually in a flashback when Margaret goes up to the nursery to fetch some shawls and she remembers arriving there at the age of nine. And she was so upset that she was leaving her home in Helston, she was crying. Um, and then it, it tells us this, that her pretty aunt came softly upstairs with Mr Hale, that's Margaret's father, to show him his little sleeping daughter. The little Margaret had hushed her sobs and tried to lie quiet as if asleep for fear of making her father unhappy by her grief. So even at the age of nine, Margaret was the sort of person who didn't demand attention, but actually was self-effacing in order to uh, think of others. And that kind of 
pattern of her not wanting to grieve her mother and father is a pattern that's going to be developed throughout the rest of the novel. And as she is an adult in her own right, she actually begins to carry many of her parents' own burdens. So Margaret, unlike Edith, who can't even manage a a tea urn at the end of the chapter, uh, Margaret is someone who does carry burdens and she's someone who takes responsibility. The other conversation I want to really pick up on is the conversation she has with Henry Lennox. Now, he's this young lawyer character. He's very fashionable. um, And we're going to find out that he's taken quite a liking to Margaret. And he asks her to describe what Helston is like. She says, only a hamlet. I don't think I could call it a village at all. There is the church and a few houses near it on the green. Cottages, rather, with roses growing all over them. And then Henry uh, says this, and flowering all the year round, especially at Christmas, make your picture complete, said he. No, replied Margaret, somewhat annoyed. I'm not making a picture. I'm trying to describe Halston as it really is. You should not have said that. I am penitent, he answered, only it really sounded like a village in a tale rather than in real life. Now, there's an important um, few things to note here. First of all, Henry believes, a little cynically, that her description of Helston is idealised, idyllic, like a, like a picture book. And he says, make your picture complete, which suggests that it's partly imagination. Now, whilst Margaret has not been living in Helston full time for many years, she has gone there every um, summer to stay with her family. So she's not unfamiliar with it. She knows it probably better than anywhere else. And so she takes offence at what he says because she's not trying to give an idealised image of where she lives. She's trying to explain that it is just really genuinely beautiful, which is so different maybe from London. When she says she wants to describe it as it really is, he says it sounds like a tale rather than real life. And this perhaps reflects that these uh, rural villages were on the way out, threatened, if you like, by the new industrial revolution that has been taking over swathes of the country. The South represents these old ways of life, um, rural village life, which are coming under threat from the growth, the exponential growth of many of these new industrial cities. It's not just London, but Manchester, Liverpool, all these other great cities are growing fast, Southampton. And you've got a sense in which these old rural um, places are few and far between. The second thing to draw out of uh, Henry and Margaret's conversation is that he doesn't really have any sense of her social position and what life is like as the daughter of the vicar. Her father's living is very small and so when he asks her what she's going to do with her time, he suggests archery parties, picnics, race balls, hunt balls, which are all really the occupations of much wealthier people. She says, oh no, Papa's living is very small. Even if we were near such things, I doubt if I should go to them. This establishes firstly that she isn't wealthy, but also that she doesn't really even desire that kind of lifestyle. She has lived uh, quite a luxurious lifestyle in London, but that hasn't really been her own choice. It's been by proxy because she's living with her aunt. 
The other thing I want to draw out of this chapter is where it describes her aunt in a little bit more detail. Um, And it said that her aunt never liked to do anything from the open and acknowledged motive of her own goodwill and pleasure. So in other words, her aunts invented various health conditions. The doctors told her, well, you've got to go to Italy. And she's kind of um, really happy about that because of what she wanted all along. But she's pretending, oh no, I'm really ill, I've got to go. She really did persuade herself that she was submitting to some hard external necessity. Thus she was able to moan and complain in her soft manner all the time she was in reality doing just what she liked. Now, I just want to pick out this this sense of the social games that people play. Um, and obviously, you may be familiar with this with other novels, such as, you know, Mrs. Bennet in Pride and Prejudice inventing these imaginary nervous complaints. Um, but the sense in which that um, there's a there's a contrast here with the aunt and the sort of social games and etiquette she, she plays with and the honesty of Margaret in that Margaret is direct, forthright with what she says. She's unembarrassed um, about Henry seeing her wearing all of these shawls. Um, and whereas the other characters in the kind of fashionable circles are trying to be coy, um, trying to do this, trying to do that, trying to persuade people, Margaret's very different. And so in this chapter, we're seeing that even though Margaret is in London, um, placed with this wealthy set of people, it's not really where she belongs. And then as we move um, to Helston, we're going to see where she's from and where she feels most at home. If you've enjoyed this podcast and found it helpful, please hit subscribe and share it with a friend. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter. Just search for Teach Me Lit. I'm always open to requests, so if you want me to talk about a text you're studying, get in touch. Thank you for listening. See you next time on the Teach Me Lit podcast.